Hello and welcome to Hamdom Thoughts, a podcast about ham radio, electronic software, and tinkering. I'm your host, Dennis, FCC licensed amateur extra radio operator, call sign AD6DM. Today's guest is Kevin, W6RIP. And the reason I'm playing this music as an intro is because Kevin is a consummate badass. He's a ham YouTuber, an active search and rescue volunteer, and he roughs the craggy snow-capped peaks of the Southern Sierras. He's documented a lot of it on his YouTube channel, and today we get to hear about this cool mountain man. Stay tuned. Kevin, great to have you here today. Thanks, Dennis. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Doing good. Doing real good. Had a nice day off, and you know, it's uh, enjoying it. Very unusual today. I know I've said this in a couple of recent podcasts, but super hot, and now we have a ton of smoke. There's oh, ash yeah. all over the place up here. Yeah, it's it's it crazy. Apple fire, you could see it uh, from my front from my front yard. When yeah, it happened, you, but you just did a, right now. you did a quick video on that. I remember uh, time lapse was it? Yeah, a little time lapse and some photos. We were able to go up behind a certain area and talk to the uh, the police officer that was you know blocking everything off and talked to him a little bit and he let us go back behind it. It's kind of cool. Felt like a VIP. <laughs> nice. But yeah, this is it's crazy. Whole state's on fire right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we'll touch but, on that, um, some of the emergency stuff that you've worked on. Mm-hmm. But like the other guests, let me hand it over to you. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you do, ham radio or otherwise? Okay. Um, I am a normal guy, I feel. Got into ham radio in 2016 and started doing tw- uh, soda 2018. Uh, after I got my technician license one month later i got my general because i was fascinated with hf and building antennas but never really was able to i did some portable stuff you know field day stuff but once i started watching jerry's videos on uh youtube it just was something else eight kg6 hud me and jerry would talk on the same repeater i never knew who he was until i saw the videos and we started talking but same local repeater down here in southern california it was really cool so just a little bit about me i've I'm a grocery store manager and I didn't grow up in the mountains or camping or hiking, not doing any of that stuff. I kind of just learned through YouTube and just started doing it. I had a fascination with it and I just started doing everything on my own slowly, but surely along with uh, long range shooting and camping, overlanding photography, learned it all self-taught from YouTube. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You so have just- a lot of hobbies and I noticed that on your channel because I actually found you just kind of, going through YouTubers who had ham radio in their theme and Mm -hmm. found your channel. And I think one of the first videos I saw of you was a soda video. And I think, oh man, that's cool. I I can't remember who did the first, it it may have been Jerry KG6HQD Mm -hmm. or you, 
but one of you two was the first soda video. And I was like, that is brilliant radio yeah. and getting up on a summit. That is, that yep. is the best way to get out there <laughs> with ham yeah, radio. It truly is. You're, you're, you're a portable repeater. Yeah. Anywhere basically. you need to go. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, I'm always, str- I, at the time I was always struggling to get my wire high enough and that's like the, the highest you can get it. And yeah, just bringing all your gear with you that just touched on the whole preparedness and planning aspect of ham radio that I really loved. Um, but then I started going further back in your channel and I saw another cool thing that I like, which is you were into reloading and sharpshooting. Yep. And I was like, oh, this guy, he's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us yeah, about that a little bit. Okay, so uh, a while ago, I, um, I didn't grow up with guns. My dad didn't shoot, nothing like that. It was just something I just became fascinated in and uh, started watching. I got my first rifle. It was just a two two three rifle and wanted to see what I could do with it. So I started watching. There's a YouTube series from uh, Tiborosaurus Rex called Sniper 101. He's about a hundred videos start to finish on how to, on how to long range shoot. And I watched every one of them. I took notes and went out and applied it slowly, but surely I got to where my, my ultimate goal is, uh, you know, I, I hit, I shot a mile, didn't get on video. So wow. that's my goal right now this year. I want to, when it, this fall, I'm going to get that actually on video. I had two friends with me and all three of us were able to shoot a mile. Wow. And I, that's those two guys. I, helped teach them how to long range shoot so it's pretty what, what it was kind a of great accomplishment. Is that? i can't even fathom that my 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 experience is like 200 yards so what is yeah. your how do you get a mile out uh, of a well, round? reloading helps a lot because you understand the, the the bullet you're using and the aerodynamics of that bullet and you know you get your feet per second and you, obviously leading up to that you got to learn how to read the wind uh, the wind is such a huge factor, um, but you got a ballistic computer that I, uh, the one I use is called Applied to Ballistics on my phone, and I type, put in all the right criteria, and um, and then it comes up with a firing solution, and you got to have a, a good scope that knows what it's doing, you know, it's tracking properly, but uh, those ballistic computers are garbage in, garbage out. You got to make sure everything is right, your bullet length, your bullet weight, your, you know, it'll it'll calculate spin drift and and a lot of trial and error, I imagine, because oh, you're going to have to load yep. and then, okay, let me test these loads and these, this powder, right. these, you know, this weight of grains yep, yep. and all that. Yep. They, uh, and depending on, there's different ways to do load development, uh, for, for extreme long range. Uh, a lot of people like to shoot as many, you know, as close groups as they can, but some people want as, uh, the closest muzzle velocity variation as possible. So you make sure you're doing the same shot every time. There's a lot of lot of stuff, a lot of lot of mathematics, and a lot of um, like you said, trial and error. But it's it's totally worth it. Yeah. Well, there's a common thread I'm I'm seeing here among hams is that there's there's a problem to be solved, mm-hmm. and we're just applying we that problem solving brain to <laughs> different areas of our life, yeah. and the same applies for even photography or yeah, yeah. you know other other endeavors other pursuits you're just trying to solve a particular problem and, and trying to reach this this goal and in your yeah. case one mile shot or the perfect uh the perfect frame that kind of thing right so yeah um i also wanted to talk about your channel a little bit but before we do i wanted to play a part of one of your videos where this is this is the w6 rip that i discovered and 
knew and before I looked deeper in the channel, but it was always him sitting on top of a peak. And this one's entitled East Twin Peaks Hike, QRP, portable QRP ham radio soda. And he's just talking to people all over the country. Let's give it a listen here. Whiskey 6, Romeo, India, Papa, calling CQ, CQ, CQ. Summit's on the air. You got a Whiskey 6, Romeo, Oscar, you are at 5757, five, seven, over. So in this one, uh, this is what I got to know Kevin as and actually learned the soda exchange because it is um, back and forth with the signal reports. I had no idea. I thought, you know, you just go up on the mountain and start calling CQ, but I quickly learned that through you and, and Jerry how to do the call out CQ soda or CQ CQ. And then this was very early on when I got into HF. That is one example of, um, of Kevin's adventures. And a lot of his videos are like that. Like the title screen will just be you sitting on top of a mountain with all your gear splayed out in front of you. Yeah. I've been working on my screenshots. It was uh, one of the constructive criticism from Josh. Um, those screenshots are so important to get people to click on your videos, but yeah, just being on top of the mountain and that, that quick signal exchange, uh, keep it short and sweet. A lot of people struggle with that in the very beginning because you got other people calling you. So you want to keep it short and sweet and not really hold on to too long of a conversation. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you get those, those guys that are your chaser every single time and you want to just share a moment and it's worth it. You know, talk, how's it going? You know, it, it's it's really something special when you just hear them every single time that they're there to support you and uh, help you get that activation. Who are some of those guys for you? Some of the call signs that you always hear up there. And uh, Mac, if, in Kansas, <laughs> it was it's um, uh, something to Martha. I know Martha because she's a female that she's one of the only females that you hear all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think it's Gary and Martha in uh, in Kansas. He's awesome. Um, in North Carolina, there's, um, I think in, in 4EX or something like that. He's got an amazing station, uh, great, awesome soda and poda, uh, practitioner. There's a, a station in Ontario. I can't think of his call sign, but he's got a beautiful sounding station in Ontario, Canada, and he's mm -hmm. been coming in a lot on parks on the air, but you just, you, I, I get to the point where I'm typing, uh, call signs in Hamlog and the, the, the call sign pops up like a auto type like mm -hmm. you, you know you've done it before yeah and you start you and type it says, in, uh, it says dupe this. seven or dupe 15 or something like that mm -hmm. and you just <laughs> click on it and it's it's like it's kind of neat yeah tell us what goes into making these videos i mean you're, you you do the whole thing you know from the drive up you do a lot of walk bys like mm -hmm. where i guess you, you plant the camera somewhere on the trail and then you you can just kind of like strolling by it <laughs> yeah it's just um you learn that from watching other uh, YouTube videos, hiker videos. Uh, when I first started doing soda, I knew I always wanted to document it. Uh, it was really inspiring how Jerry was doing it. So I wanted to share that. And, you know, that's the best way to spread the word of this. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't mean to deconstruct your video process. No, and, no. And kind of like uh, pull the curtain away. But, 
you know, I, yeah. I, it's just these things that I notice watching your videos. I'm like, that's that's a really good scene. That's a that's a nice scenic scene. Yeah. Oh, you it's also all... do gr drone shots as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Sorry, I got a drone. Started doing that. Uh, things kind of heavy, so I'll do it on like the shorter hikes. <laughs> yeah. Or um, what's a good thing to do is uh, do the drone shot at the vehicle. Do you know show the area and then put it down, lock it up, and then hike up without it. But yeah, I, I was just watching uh, like the through hikers of the PC. You know doing the PCT learned a lot of good video techniques mm -hmm. uh, from those kind of guys. I was like that. I mean, it really paints a picture of what's going on. So you can kind of see all different angles, what, what really is going on and to kind of feel that energy through the, through the videos. And so your, your gear when you're going up these peaks, cause I, I don't know if it's the way that others show their videos, but it seems like they're on trails that are relatively, they're steep, but they're walking trails. Whereas mm -hmm. a lot of the videos I've seen with you, you're actually like hands on the, on the cliff and scrambling up and it, it, they seem really difficult, you know, just sure. from the samples that you've, you've shared with us. So I yeah, mean, what, what's your gear like in light of that? I, I don't imagine you're carrying 25 pounds up those steep cliffs. Uh, they it they tend to with with water they get up to that they get up 20 25 pounds um okay. i make sure wow. i always bring my tarp my first aid kit stuff for blisters whatnot i always bring make fire food mm -hmm. uh stuff to boil water i always bring those you know most of those 10 essentials sometimes there's you know you don't need every single one but yeah i always try to do that have all that stuff with me and just train the right way lots and, of cameras uh, too uh, yeah, I started out with a GoPro. I didn't really like the audio and the shakiness. And so I uh, graduated up to something with image stabilization because I noticed my early videos, the audio was kind of messed up and the video was shaky. So it kind of was hard to watch. And mm -hmm. um, now I've, I'm up to actually carrying up a full-on mirrorless camera, camera, a Panasonic G9 on mm -hmm. a gimbal, or I run my uh, Nikon Z6. I'll take that. They're both incredible video cameras but i uh try to do it without a gimbal again shaky footage so i got the gimbal it's extra three pounds but does some amazing just some amazing shots and it's worth it i got a little handle i can carry it like a suitcase uh, as i'm going up and i just to me you know being in search and rescue i just think of it something that i'm training for i'm building my forearm strength hiking with an extra six five six pounds in my in one of my hands just to uh build strength if i got to carry stuff grip strength you know it's just it, i kind of you know i try to make a i don't know i just try to make something like make a reason for it <laughs> it's really intense though some of the videos that you you've posted just having all that gear too that's that's even more impressive yeah, uh, your, your main rig is a kx2 right yep i already used the kx2 my first video when i first started soda i did the 891 uh, I went and bought that oh, and yeah. quickly okay. realized that was that between that and battery, that was like a 10 pound setup. And then, so my first activation was with that and I went home and bought the kicks too. Yeah. <laughs> and got a little three amp hour battery. Okay. My kit now is about three pounds, three, well, three and a half pounds, completely doable. Yeah. Nice fits in a nice little lunchbox. And then I use a, a high BM 10 headset. So the, the headset that I use weighs as much as a normal microphone handheld microphone so it really helps i like it
Yeah, there was really that impression set when I first saw your videos, you and, and Jerry both. Mm-hmm. I thought, this must be the gear that you must have. <laughs> right, I, know. I, I saw it, and I'm yeah. just like, you must have this Heil headset. You must have a KX2. <laughs> you must yeah. use a fishing pole and a wire. You know, I, right. yeah. And then I learned later that there's all kinds of variety, and a lot oh, of people do. So, yeah, there's so much <laughs> stuff coming out now. But initially, uh, I was like, okay, target set. i got to get that yeah. stuff, you know, and... and mm-hmm. Over the course of saving up for it, I realized, okay, I actually have options here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I opened up a little bit, but yeah, that that the KX2 especially, it's a very light, self-contained station, mm-hmm. all in a small package. Great and, filters. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to beat, but yep. And that's what's good about you know more and more people doing these videos. You start seeing more and more types of gear. Yeah, and you get more and more ideas, and that's kind of what. We try to egg everyone on to do is just make some videos of your gear and doing the, the soda summit and share it. Yeah. Pretty neat. You, you were part of that large party that, that Josh Nass did, right? I forget the yep. I think it was, was it Pacifico or yeah. something like that? Yeah. Pacific Mount Pacifico or Pacifico mountain, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And um, then they, he posted this photo of like seven Ella craft rigs on, uh-huh. on yeah. the table. At the end we're kind of thinking <laughs> about photo ops and Oh, let's do the Ella crafts. <laughs> Yeah, it's so pretty it's like neat. Everyone, everyone on the, had had the same one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Yep. So you are the Southern Sierra Regional Manager. Yeah, we talked earlier in this series with Rex, the W Six Association Manager. Mm-hmm. So you are the manager for that region in Southern Correct. California. Uh, can, yep. How long have you been doing that? And and tell us a little bit about that region and what you have to do there. Yeah, I was listening. I've been doing it since Rex took over the W6 area. So Rex reached out to me to uh, be the region manager for the the Southern Sierra and the Southern Desert because um, he reached out to a couple other guys that turned it down because of uh, they're busy. So I was going to do both. And then I talked to Jerry and he ended up taking the Southern uh, Desert from me so I could do the Southern Sierra. And uh, it's the most peaks in in the association. It and a lot of them are untouched, very, very mountainous terrain. Uh, some of these peaks will take days to get to and a very high skill level to get up. Stuff that uh, like K6 ARK, he is a stud. He's he's activated probably most of those peaks that are there. Anything you look through that association and you see his call sign on it with one activation. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know, like I, you go to, what is that map site? So, so soda.uk.org, soda. uh, go to the database. Okay. Um, then you can uh, find summits, W6, SS. Yeah. And, and you'll uh, see K650 ARK yeah, on there a lot. <laughs> yeah, that and his, uh, his call sign before that was KJ6 hot or something like that, HOT. So you'll see that. You'll just see his call sign over and over yeah. and over. And then a couple other local guys too uh, did some other ones. It's pretty neat. But for me, from down here, I'm in Southern California. And uh, you got to plan that trip, you know, to get up there. And if you need a couple days to get to a, to, to a peak and, you know, a day to drive up and get to the, wherever you're going to camp and you almost need a vacation to, uh, to get up there and do those kind of things, at least three or four days, which I don't, I rarely get from my, from my job uh, being a grocery store manager. Uh, I get a few vacations, like four vacations a year. And it's not all just a trip up to the Southern Sierra region. I'm doing other things too, but yeah, you really got to plan and, and, and use your time wisely to get up there and actually get to those because they're, 
they're pretty awesome. You drive through there up that 395 and you look over there and you're just like, wow. And you're only seeing the, the cusp. You don't know what's in behind all those mountains. So wow. we, uh, we did a, a group hike out there and we went and did pilot knob. Adam put it together. There's I think six of us. I brought my son too, five soda guys. And I brought my son, but that was, it was quite a hike. I mean, it took two days to get to it and it was, you know, for me and Jerry, it was like some of the hairy stuff that we've seen. And it's, it was amazing. It really was amazing, but it really paints a picture of what it takes to, to get to those. So there's a reason why a lot of those are untouched. Yeah. K6ARK Adam, he's, he's Mm -hmm. a beast. I've, I've, I've talked to him before and told him that he's just a soda beast. And that, that one video he did with the 14 K elevation Mm-hmm. And he's at the top and he, he hasn't even broken a sweat. He's just like, yeah. Hey, I'm up here now. And, uh, you know, let's activate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome is. shape. He's been out. He's been doing those since he was a, I think when he's a young, young man, a teenager or something, he's been going up there with his family. And so he's very familiar with that area. Yeah. So yeah. Well, if I ever have any questions about that stuff, I always reach out to him. Yeah. You mentioned just planning and how difficult it takes to get up there. Uh, there's another uh, set of clips here. I wanted to play. And it's your video of Split Mountain. Mm-hmm. So here, let me do the intro first of that. All right, so Split Mountain is right up over there. Uh, right up there behind that big mountain, kind of like right in there, that spiky top. So that one is when you're driving up. Mm-hmm. And this is these are some serious mountains I'm looking at here in the video. Like they just jut out of the landscape. Yeah. And at a certain point, you're climbing up. Maybe you can uh, kind of prime this for us. Okay. So what, um, what was happening here when you're you're about to hit this certain point that I'm going to play here? Okay. So um, after there's about a seven mile hike total, but about five miles in, and I I camp for the night and I drop some gear and leave my camping gear and I start hiking up. And throw on the head cam and um i'm just going through there's a huge ice field you gotta jump boulder hop a bunch of stuff i don't want to walk on that ice field i don't know how thin it is i don't know what kind of rivers running up below it so i'm boulder hopping over the side and then i start going up the very loose screen talus and i kind of i take a bad line i should have but it looked from the bottom you think you see a line that looks doable but it's sometimes the wrong one so I, I took a wrong line up and I got to into some hairy stuff and everything I grabbed on to was falling apart. And yeah, so, and then I get to a certain point. All right, here, let's, let's play this part. It's uh, about 20 minutes and 45 seconds into the video. Holy fuck. Are you kidding? And then I'll skip ahead here to where you're thinking about what to do. No way. Wow. So. I thought I could get up to this and then go around the backside. That is not true. All right, this is where I'm going to throw in the towel. 
I'm not getting up that. My legs are already fucking feeling shot. I just came up this thing over here so I could go across and fucking just the loose rocks are just insane. So I'm gonna go down right here and slide down, go down real slow and then head on back. So Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit what, what's going through your mind as you're as you're doing this and deciding to turn around. Yeah, it was um, right at that point where I, yeah, man, I potty mouth, but it is what it is in the moment. Yes. I try to be very candid. Uh, I don't like to hide stuff. I uh, keep it real and share it. So I get up to a point where it, it doesn't show it so much with the head, with the video, but my eyeballs look down and I can't even see the bottom of the other side of that. <laughs> it's wow. like two feet away is, I mean, who knows, a 3,000 foot drop. And that's when I'm like, holy F. And then I look around and cause I had seen a video on YouTube about this hike. And, but like I said, I took a, a bad line. If I would have stayed over more, you know, further to the left, I guess you could say it would have been kind of what I was looking for, but I wasn't expecting that. So when I saw that and I was already exhausted, I was just, and I wasn't going to go back down and go all the way back over and it was loose rocks. And I was underprepared cause I didn't have a helmet going up that with all that loose stuff, I, I needed a helmet. And so it was kind of scaring me a little bit. And cause any, any bad move, I was out there all alone, you know, ham radio and the Garmin, but that's it. I'm yeah. So I just, uh, that was it. You know, I just like, I'll chalk it up. I'll come back another time. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> more prepared. Pretty much rock climbing right there. Yeah. Where yep, you that do was... actually need a, uh, a helmet. And... Yeah. Class three, class four and some spots. Yeah. So, you know, doing stuff down here in Southern California is lots of trails, a little bit of hand stuff, but nothing like up there. So I, I wanted to try it. It was a very awesome experience. That red trail going out to that mountain is amazing. There's a lake up at the top at 10,000 feet. And very few people go through that. So just, just hiking that trail was something special. Yeah. But even doing something like that solo, just watching the video, I was already <laughs> getting yeah. all anxiety <laughs> I know. because <laughs> yeah. i was like what if i was alone in this kind of scenario I, i'd really be stressed yeah there's out. a lot of easy ways to to hurt yourself and, and something like that so yeah it's, it, you know i learned too that you definitely got to uh have some partners and um and not everybody's days off match up so a lot yeah. of planning involved in trying to uh a lot of sacrifice meeting up with other guys or doing this doing that and uh but yeah so. But that also leads to my next question, which is your search and rescue work. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sure that you've definitely trained a lot. I, I remember you talking about the weeks and weeks that you were going to these trainings for your SAR group there. Yeah. But tell us more. Tell us about what you do for search and rescue, how you got into it, what you've done. Right. And just a little side note, I, that split mountain attempt was before I got into search and rescue. So I was, uh, getting the search and rescue was, uh, awesome. So it's, it's really let me see things in hindsight of how under, you know, unprepared I was when I tried to do that. But, uh, search and rescue, I, once I moved out, um, at Orange County into San Bernardino County, I met up with a guy and 
he's cleaning my windows and he saw my ham radio gear, hiking gear, you know, he's the ham radio guy and they, everything about search and rescues communications and, you know, camping and stuff. So he said he's hiring for the search and rescue team and he's been on it for five years. And I was, I don't, are you, are you serious? I go, it wasn't an accident for us to meet. So I quickly joined the team and got into BSAR and did my stuff, learned a lot, learned a lot of like uh, survival stuff, a lot of stuff that I knew already, you know, starting fires, land navigation, uh, stuff like that. But quickly, what I was excited about was getting into ropes, doing rope gears uh, stuff, uh, rappelling, ascending, learning how to build anchors. You know, those, those kind of things are very valuable. So had a lot of fun doing that. And I've been in for about a year and a half and uh, we're, you know, COVID hit. So we kind of took a little time off, but we're back at training hard again. The San Gregorio search and rescue team, we're a rope team. We've got a lot of uh, steep terrain out here. So it's, it's, what is it's awesome. BSAR? What does that mean? BSAR? Basic, basic search and rescue training. Oh, okay. So we do some mentor training. Our mentee, we go through mentor training where we learn all the stuff, the skills to go into basic search and rescue training. And then that's a three weekend uh, school uh, where you do some indoor stuff, then outdoor stuff, and then uh, you know, building shelters, land navigation, like I said. But it's a awesome experience. Uh, they have about 25 people in a per class. And I was the only one from my team to go through into that class. And it was the it's a BSAR class of lucky 13. <laughs> that was kind of neat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've met some incredible people doing search and rescue. And then since doing that, I mean, reaching out, Adam does search and rescue K6 ARK, the goat whiskey six, or, you know, our WGO zero T, you know, goat from Colorado search and rescue guy. Um, there's mm, a search, okay. you know, just all the search and rescue guys that were, that are soda goats reached out in, um, you know, sharing tracks, sharing trails, sharing stories. Uh, there's, you know, I think, uh, N6 JFD up North, up there lives by Rex and they go to do stuff together. He's a search and rescue, I believe. I think he's uh, the assistant, right? The assistant association yeah, manager. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got yeah. some regions under it, you know, that he's working with, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of guys that, uh, they kind of have that, that mountainous background. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're out there, so yeah, it sounds like a, a natural progression. Mm-hmm. You'd be interested really in helping others who get yep. stuck out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what I've been focusing on out here since I joined the team out here, I've been doing a lot of peaks around here and going up to them from different ways each year. So I can learn these trails and learn our, our wilderness out here better. So I kind of focus learning that stuff because it's also training too. It's trail familiarization that, uh, that we do. And then I got a couple of people on the team that I took up and, uh, they did their first soda activation, which was really cool. And uh, they were super excited and I'm trying to, I preach ham radio p- across the team and uh, we just recently got some guys that licensed just so they wow, better cool. with their communications. But so the, you got in and then you converted a bunch of people to over to soda. Yep, it, to oh. ham radio and hiking. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the, I'm the chair because of my ham radio background. Now I'm the, the chair of the technology committee. Uh, where we're working with radios and Garmin's and getting yeah. all that stuff ready for everyone. So Makes it's, total it's really sense. Cool. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Have you been deployed yet? To actually, do. Uh... Yeah, we we did. So there's. Uh, it's been a pretty quiet year. There's about, I think it's about we have like four things that I was able to respond to because if I was at work or not. 
one of them I needed, it needed Alpine awareness. So that takes about two years to get to that. And then there was another one where it, even you needed, it, that happened actually a couple of times. So three of the four rescues that we, that I've been deployed on, I just didn't have enough qualifications to actually go with it. So I, mm-hmm. I'd set a command post. Um, I went in with a rescue group to meet a team to extract them. You know, we went in with our Jeeps and vehicles to extract the team, but a lot of good, a lot of good stuff that we're, that we're learning. Wow. Very admirable. I, I think yeah. about those who are out there in search and rescue. It's, um, I mean, they're, they're also risking their own lives sometimes. Yep. Very selfless. Yeah. Very selfless. And it's, you know, and what we're doing and we put in the time and the effort to just be better. So when the time comes, we're ready. Yep. A lot of hours of training happen. So in, in going through this training, what are some of the things you wish you had known when you started doing soda hikes? Mm, I wish I wasn't so blind to the fact of how easy you can get hurt. You know, you, you kind of feel invincible when you start you go out and doing these things. And I was always going out solo. Most of the time I did a couple of joint hikes with Jerry, but like I said, you know, everyone has different jobs, different days off. Things don't match up. I didn't want that to keep me from going and doing anything. So it's really neat seeing all these videos and using guy and the different tools that you got to, uh, to map out a trail. It's kind of a good thing that I didn't let it hold me back, but knowing, knowing that, you know, things can go wrong. And uh, not you're not invincible. One one little move the wrong way, and your day is going to change. So, I think I I think I wish I understood that a little bit more when I first started. I would have took you know probably been a little more prepared or took a different mindset to it. But I've been lucky, you know. I I just I do my I do I do pretty good. You know, I have a football <laughs> background, so I've yeah. athletic background, and I I pay attention to a lot of details. So. We've been all right. So you started off kind of learning the hard way and then you get the actual formal training. Yep. And in retrospect, you're like, "Ah, okay, should have been more prepared in this or that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. All right. Switching gears. What are some of the things that you've been working on lately? What's some interesting projects or, or things that you've been working on? So what I just recently, I just did my antenna, uh, video just going over the specs of it that was my antenna that i made when i first started when i got the kx2 and i had it I, it wasn't i i shouldn't say that it wasn't my first antenna it was actually my second antenna uh but use a, a heavy gauge speaker wire and set up in a in an l fashion with a vertical and a horizontal leg and the the antenna does amazingly well on all the activations so people ask what it is but it is on the heavy side it weighs about a half a pound so my thing right now is, is that thick gauge wire really helping with the voice going through to the other side? Like, you know, you got a signal, but then you have your voice and, you know, your microphone plays a part, your mic game plays a part. You're, you know, I wonder if the radio or the, the thickness of that antenna plays a part. You think of thicker rate, thir- you know, thicker wire might have a better bandwidth or something. There, there might be something different. So what I did was I bought, I uh, bought some 26 gauge speaker wire. Or not speaker wire, just regular wire. And I made another antenna with exact specifications, as same as the one I have now. And I'm going to go out and do a side-by-side test with these two antennas and just 
you know, let the, the, the chasers know, Hey, give me a second. I'm gonna switch antennas and I'm gonna see if the sick, you know, maybe if the signal report changes or maybe my voice is a little bit stronger one over the other, you know, I don't, I haven't seen anybody actually do that with the, you know, giving an honest report on how strong your voice is coming through because that's very important. A lot of people do, you know, do CW now, which is awesome and the way to go. But, um, people start out with voice of phone and yep. making sure that these guys are going out there and ha- being successful with, with phone is a, is a huge deal. So I just, just a little, I mean, maybe it's the same, maybe it's not, I don't know. It'd be kind of cool just to check it out. Yeah. That's, it's a good thing to test as well, because I know that ham radio, because of, I guess people blame the sunspot cycle or, mm-hmm. or whatever the conditions yeah. Uh, moving more and more to these very extremely efficient modes like CW or mm-hmm. FT8 or PSK31, you know, just trying to squeeze out that signal out of all of the uh, noise and also with the poor bounce off of the ionosphere. Mm-hmm. And so when I see a ham that's really successful using voice, you know that guy is getting or or gal is getting the contacts you know because that that is very it has to be strong enough to be making it and readable on the other side so yeah yeah, you you have to have your antenna really well tuned for that everything needs to be working right for uh, a phone contact to actually happen right and And that's why uh, i'm sorry i mean that's why i I run a, a resonant 20 meter antenna yeah. Because I figure, you know, the least I have to use my tuner, the best my signal is going to be. Um, so that's why I do it like that. Yeah. I, I really admire those who are out there on voice, you know, mm. like Kate at MRD. He, he does POTA, always yeah. SSB. Yeah. It also honestly led me to think early on, again, I, I got really into the hobby in like late 2017 and early 2018 and seeing some videos of, of soda hams, it, it made me think that that phone was easy, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, because right. of all the successes everyone was having on mm-hmm. those mountaintops with their, their wire and their pole. Right. And I learned that it's not. <laughs> yeah, I struggle no. with it ever, even now. Mm-hmm. And if you'll look at my log, you know, there's like a thousand contacts or whatever in there, but very few of those are phone because mm-hmm. I guess my antenna tuning skills are not anywhere near where I need them to be or want them to be. And so <laughs> I have a hard time when we have mm-hmm. like uh, QSO parties or whatever. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get 10, maybe a, do- uh, you know, a couple dozen at most contacts yeah. because my own setup while I have the rig and I have all the, the power to run for days, mm-hmm. just getting that signal out there on, on voice is difficult for me. So yeah, it's and very that, admirable when you can get that dialed in and really get out there and get across the country reliably. Right. Very clear. Uh, some guys found that out when we went on, you know, the hike up to uh, Mount Pacifico, the ham radio crash course soda hike. There's a couple guys struggled. They had big soda beams antenna with huge, mass and a big old wire and you know it's deployment deployment is huge yeah um so you can't just run up with this thing and just throw it up and think that it's going to work the way you want it to you got to practice but um 
the guys seen, you know, everyone got their activations and I went last to show my setup and, um, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was really awesome. And I was, that was when I got the contact with the goat in Colorado with Steve. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was really neat. That was, you know, on 20 meters, you know, you got your, yeah, I usually hit from like Kansas beyond to the, to the East, Mm -hmm. but to get, get him right there in Colorado was rad. So, I mean, it, it, those chasers having really good stations and what they're doing is, is incredible. But yeah, I had him on ham alerts. I, I listened for Are him uh, for oh, CW awesome. and I, I haven't gotten him yet. And he's just yeah. there in Colorado. I still haven't gotten him, but mm-hmm. I, I actually didn't even know that Steve um, W G zero AT was mm-hmm. a search and rescue as well. Oh yeah. Many, many years. We talked about it. He's got a lot of good, valuable tips that, uh, that he gave me and we talked a little bit and yeah. Yeah, he he did it for that's, I that's think uh, in the teens of years, a uh, double digit years. Wow, out there, mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah, true. I get, alert, I get alerts for him all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty neat when he chased me. And I said he said his call sign, and I repeated it back, and it didn't click until I was like, oh, oh, whoa. <laughs> and then was kind of, <laughs> and then everyone, uh, Jason behind me is like, it is. Oh my god, <laughs> it's a uh, you know we're all starstruck by that guy. All right. Well, those are the questions I had. Uh, do you have any anything else that you wanted to say? Any advice to new hams or any any other things? Um, I would like to see. You know, obviously, we always want to have more people join the hobby, and I do want to also share that I do Poda, and I think it's okay for for us guys to do Poda and Soda. It's not one or the other. You know, it's not Soda against Poda. Or anything like that, um, you know. If you um, talk to Jerry Nett, you might think differently, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we we, you have, know, a, we I, have I a lot of banter. doing some doing some Poda videos, so they could, you know, because there's a lot of people that know Poda that don't know Soda. So I've been doing some Poda videos specifically, so I reach that audience, and then they see my Soda videos, and it might then they can kind of link the two together. Yeah. Um, so, but it's okay to do both. Um, I read, there's a huge audience doing both. There's a lot of guys with different skill sets and, um, different things that excite them. Yeah. You, know, you, that, you have a really great some... video in Wyoming where you did it. Yeah. That was, that activation. was one of my better videos. I really enjoyed doing that one. That was a really special one. Uh, that area is beautiful. I'm going to do that every year, but you know, sometimes you, you know, you, you twist an ankle or your know, knee or you're kind of not feeling up to it. You just go sit out, but you know, take your trailer out or go out to a park and you know, it's all good. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. All right. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Kevin. Well, thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much for spending time with us here. Um, yeah. I gotta say, I am a fan. I mean, I am kind of fanboying right now, but I, you know, just oh, thank you. Just knowing you, being able to talk with you right now is is a real treat for me because you're one of the very first exposures I've had to this hobby in earnest. I I knew a lot of people when I first got my tech and I talked to them on repeaters and stuff, and I thought that was what ham radio was about, just talking on repeaters. And when I thought, okay, let's check YouTube for ham radio. I found your videos. I was like, okay, this is really awesome. It can be taken to a whole other level. I am, I used to rock climb years ago. Can't really do it now, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, so just the idea of combining that with actually transmitting and just seeing the fun you were having 
and the false sense of success initially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, uh, right. I was just really inspired. So uh, again, I, I just really want to convey that to you. Thank you for Thank taking you. the time. And I, you know, I'm, I'm one of your fans for uh, the videos you do. I hope you continue to keep producing them. Yep, I am. And I try to put it, I'm trying to start putting different spins on them. I, I don't want them to be all kind of the same format or the same thing. So that's why I'm tying in a lot of photography to kind of break it up a little bit. I want to learn some different B-roll techniques, but I do want to, you know, keep that, that active viewer uh, there watching and excited with the editing skills that I'm just Yes. Just trying different new stuff, you know, just keep people excited about it. Yeah. I want to also mention your, you had one of the best Milky Way shots I've ever seen. Like, uh, it was like oh, a yeah. long exposure that you shared with me once. And you also do a lot of time lapse in your, like, nighttime time lapse on your, on some of your videos. Yeah. That's, I'm uh, really excited too. about astrophotography. And that, that Milky Way shot was when we were, um, when the, us, uh, when we were going up to Pilot Knob, we were up in the Southern Sierras, and we were at about eleven thousand, over eleven thousand feet, and uh, by a lake. And up there, there's no clouds, there's no smog. There's it's just you in the in the yeah. sky. And um, when I saw that, I grabbed the camera and I started doing some shots, and it was just something else. You 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 don't see the sky like you can from eleven thousand feet. Yeah. It's beautiful. Did you get any shots of the comet? Neowise. I did comment Neowise. I did. I'll I'll throw it back up on. Um, I'll I'll send it to you. But uh, yeah, I did. Um, I went up to a local helipad out here, and I had my Nikon Z6 with a 200 millimeter f 2.8 lens that I was able to get in real good on it, and a little bit of Lightroom on it, and it was just the I was able to capture the color of the comet. It was oh. glowing green. Wow. Um, I that was awesome because i've seen a lot of guys with their with the the spray going out the back of it or whatever but to capture that color is that was pretty cool yeah i tried several days like at least five times to -hmm. see it but of course i'm in the middle of the suburbs at sea level so yep i never actually saw it I just wow, had to live through I all the other photos that I saw. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see taking. it with the naked eye. I knew where, you know, with the Big Dipper, I knew kind of where to point the lens. And once I did that long exposure, you know, about a five, six second exposure, and I was like, oh, my God, there it is. Holy cow. And um, But wow. that's the only way that I was able to do it. And I made sure I was up about, I think it was about 5,000 feet up in elevation to do it. But, yeah. yeah. All right. That's pretty cool. Another tangent, but thank you, Kevin. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really cool. I wanted to talk a little bit about your your night shots as well. That those are some amazing photos. Throw some up on Twitter. People yeah. can see those. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I'll call it right here. Okay. Okay, once again, thank you for listening to Handum Thoughts. I am Dennis, AD6DM, and we'll catch you again next time.
Did you know that you could send audio messages back to Hamdom Thoughts podcast? Just visit anchor.fm slash ad60m and hit the message button to record your messages right from your computer or phone. Your comments or questions might even end up on the next episode like this next one. Hey, Dennis, Eric, Kilo Zero, Echo Alpha Papa. I just wanted to thank you for this podcast with your conversation with Rex. It was wonderful. Um, My very first CW soda contact was with Rex back in uh, February of 2018. Uh, So it was pretty cool to to remember that. Uh, Rex and I have been following each other on Twitter and um, had had many contacts on, on Soda Summits. Um, throughout the years since that first one. Again, thanks for the the podcast. It's awesome. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I can't wait to hear more. Thanks, Dennis.